Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's a double shot from our featured artist today, Speak Easy Abby. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
from their brand new release and we got abby on the line right now hey abby how are you <laughs> good how are you i'm doing pretty well now this is the first time you've been on our show and we always like to give our fans an opportunity to get to know an artist and the best way to do that is your story how you got to where you are today so give us the story of speakeasy and of course of abby yeah, um, so I started doing speakeasy stuff back last, the end of last summer. Um, I was kind of flirting with some sounds last August, and, uh, you know, I didn't really officially put something together until, like, September of 2021, um, but I'd always wanted to, like, I've been a musician my entire life, and uh, I'm, a cla- I'm classically trained. So I played flute, did a lot of choir stuff growing up, but I never actually thought that I was uh, prominent enough to do, like, solo stuff. Um, And I was going through a really hard time last summer. I was really struggling with, like, alcoholism and, uh, like, just the the way that my relationships with with everyone were going at that time uh, because of that. And so I ended up, you know, messing with a couple sounds last summer, and then I, I went on, like, a, a retreat to Peru, and I was out there just in the middle of the jungle eating potatoes and stuff. Like, uh, I was on a very strict diet, and the whole point was, like, you completely unplug. And so I was just sitting there, and I said, you know, screw it. I'm, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make music. When I get back, I'm gonna make music. And uh, it was really hard, because I actually don't really like my voice much at all. I, I, I knew it was 
sufficient for holding pitch and like being in like choirs and stuff. But again, like I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be like good enough to be like a solo artist. Um, I, I always wrote a lot of poetry and I'm really good at coming up with like instrumental things, but I wasn't really sure how that was going to translate into like, how do I combine those two things? And so I ended up just like experimenting a little bit and, um, you know, I put, I put my first song together, which was shiftless. Um, you know, I, I used a, a few samples and stuff and just kind of put something together and, I knew that it wasn't going to be sufficient for quality. So um, when I'm not making music, I make video games. I produce and develop and design video games. And so I, I met someone who, I, I was working with someone who makes music uh, for a lot of the games that I was working on um, or working with. And so I asked him, his name is Victor Cross. He's, he's based out of Germany. And I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, do you think you could co-produce with me? Um, and you know, make this not sound so janky because <laughs> I could do it, but I, you know, I, I definitely needed that extra help. And, um, so he started working with me on it and, you know, ever since then he's been making music with me and, um, you know, he's, he's a big help because I put everything together. Um, and you know, I write the lyrics, I get all the chords together and then like, he just helps me spice them up or make them, you know, sound cleaner. Um, and so we ended up putting out our, our first album in January of this year, which was Prohibition Hippie. Um, and that was, that was more of like an experimental album, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's essentially how that started. And ever since then, you know, we've been really blowing them out <laughs> very quickly. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about this new release. Um, what was your goal for this? What were you looking to achieve? Um, so the whole reason, uh, you know, bootlegger blood is, is interesting because it, the whole point of calling it bootlegger blood is that I actually, you know, I come from a family of, of bootleggers. It's in my lineage. And, um, I've, I've always had a very like, uh, I, I like for what I like to call like a very toxic lineage. Um, there's just a lot of like bad things in my family and I feel like that has been passed down from generation to generation and I feel like a large portion of that has come from like that bootlegger side where um, there's a lot of passion but there's also a lot of you know like a lot of uh, aggression as well and it, the whole point of the album is just highlighting um, the fact uh, like me constantly battling with myself of having that kind of lineage in my system and also like uh, dealing with it emotionally and how, how that affects my relationship with people, whether that be romantically or, um, you know, friendships, family. Uh, it's, it's always like a constant battle for me and it's a constant battle for a lot of people in my family. So, you know, the whole point of of, of the, the EP is like highlighting the fact that, you know, I'm a very emotional person, but I'm very aggressive if I feel misunderstood or like I, I have a lot of passion and I, it's, it's about checking those things and, um, understanding where a lot of those things come from. Okay. Now let's talk about you as a songwriter. Um, 
when you sit down to begin that process, what what's kind of your your mechanism that you use to kind of get things rolling? Um, always a sense, always chords. Like I have to put together a sense in, in specific chords because in my opinion, like for me, when I hear a, a solid synth with some very deep chords is, is how I refer to it, it opens up something inside me. I like, I actually like to think of like speakeasy as like a separate entity, even though it's like me. Um, I, I think of it as a separate part of me that doesn't necessarily, uh, you don't see from day to day. You know, most people don't ever see this, this individual unless they're listening to my music. Um, and so, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm writing music, I often put those chords in front of me. I put them on repeat and then everything just starts pouring out. Okay. Now, um, now you're saying that you work off with with the synths. Is this one of the you know? And 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 a lot of songwriters have embraced technology as part of their toolkit when they sit down to write. What are some of the other tools that you found that really become indispensable to you as a writer? I would say like a solid baseline, um, and also like samples. Um, I, I work a lot with, with samples and it's something that you can very distinctly hear in a lot of, a lot of my songs. Um, I'm very like, I love like old timey jazz as well. I try to put jazz influences into my songs. Um, so it, it, it ends up kind of creating a weird baby. Okay. Now, um, of course, you know, every songwriter has that moment where they have to declare the song finished. You know, a lot of songwriters that I've talked to say that they never really finish a song. They just abandon it. Um, what is your process and your mechanism that helps you determine when a song is ready to go into the studio, give it to the producer, the other musicians or whatever? Um, what, what's, what's that mechanism for you? Um, honestly, it's it's kind of, I'm sick of working on this song, and I've emotionally dumped enough into this song. Um, I'll tell you right now, I'm never satisfied with, with any of my songs, the way that they sound. There's always something that, I think there's only been like one song that I listened to that I'm like, this is, this is as perfect as it was going to get. But most of the time, like, I listen back on my songs, and I'm like, mm, this could be better, mm, that could be better, and that's part of a learning process, but I, I think just like when you know, you know, kind of thing. Um, when I've tweaked it enough, we, I get into this phase with Victor where we are tweaking things. And when, when you start to get very nitpicky, that's when you know it's kind of done. And when you've nitpicked it quite a bit to the point to where you're like, oh my gosh, can this be over now? Um, that's how I know a song's done. Um, you know, I usually... I usually get the chords together, I record the vocals, and then I add some extra things on top of it, and then we kind of polish it up. Um, and that's when the tweaking the tweaking phase comes in. Okay. Now, let's talk about um, uh, getting it out, uh, going to the studio, uh, and, and working in that environment. What is your process when you get into that world that helps you get your sound? Um, well, my, the studio is my room, my office. <laughs> um, I do everything in-house. Um, and usually when I record music, I, I, 
barely ever recorded during the day. It's always at night. Um, and it's always usually late at night. Like, that's a very important thing. I also just need to be in a more emotional and raw state or else I can't really write music. I can't really put things together. And um, I, usually, I usually start off by kind of just listening to music or, you know, if I'm feeling some sort of way, usually uh, that's, that's the best that's the best time for me to actually get in and, and start working on things. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about um, getting it out there. Um, you're working with Krista Valenkis uh, of Tinderbox. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that relationship. Yeah. So I actually uh, reached out to her, um, you know, not long ago when uh I just knew I needed extra help. Like PR is, is a, it's, it's a job for a reason and a job it is. It's a lot of hard work and like kudos and much respect to people out there who, who can do that, especially Krista. And I wanted someone Minneapolis based. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't want a, a, uh, you know, a, a PR person that was not from my area just because I, I love the twin cities and, um, I take a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of pride, uh, you know, making music here simply because, uh, you know, there's a lot of great artists that not only came out of the Twin Cities, but, um, like I just, I love the music scene here. And so I wanted someone who understood that specific kind of music scene. So that is originally why I reached out to her. Um, and you know, ever since then, she's been very helpful and, uh, very supportive, um, especially of, of other you know women artists that's something that we both we lined up on very very quickly is um you know supporting women and supporting you know unique sounds in the twin cities and you know uh, all over the country and world and whatnot okay now let's talk about the industry um i mean the elephant in the room here is that the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music and for them it's it's an it's a win-win for less than the cost of a cd they have access to pretty much everything that's been recorded in in the last hundred years um Mm -hmm. but unfortunately it has given rise to a mindset where the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product to purchase anymore um, it's mm-hmm. now a service. When they hear about an artist, they can look them up on Spotify, listen to everything they've done. If they don't find them on Spotify, then they consider them not relevant and they just move on to something else. Um, mm-hmm. How has this mindset affected you as an artist? Um, it's difficult, to be honest, um, because other than just like having like streaming music, and, uh, you know, you looking not as valuable if you're not on certain platforms, um, people are also looking at numbers and people are less likely to give your music a chance, um, if you have lower numbers. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, back in the day when you either went out and got records or CDs, you, you know, you don't, people weren't really looking at those numbers as much. They, they went out, they found something that they thought just looked cool and they bought it. And uh, whether they liked it or not, they were still supporting that artist. Um, something that I used to do all, all the time. I used to go out uh, and, you know, buy CDs that looked cool. Or, uh, and I, even if I didn't like it, you know, I still had it. 
still still bought the CD for the artist, and you know it's something you don't see with streaming platforms. And you know it is unfortunate, uh, and I you can't help sometimes but look at those numbers and like uh, kind of get down on yourself sometimes because you're like, uh, do, does my music suck? Is it just not getting to the right people? You know, it, it's something that you you put in you race around in your head over and over again um and it's it's a very slippery slope and that's for sure now um let's talk about the um i mean one of the things that with streaming is, is that because of the decreased revenue that independent artists get from streaming this is not a model that's sustainable um, we're diminishing the, the industry's middle class. We're hurting the recording industry, which has always been the center point of the music industry. Because if we can't record our music, you know, where, how do we get it out there? You know, uh, that whole industry is now hurting. Um, what do you think needs to happen to kind of right that ship a little bit? Uh, I, I just think that uh, streaming platforms need to be, in general, like more fair to their artists. I think that we need to be less focused on like numbers and plays, and more focused on the numbers that are actually going to support artists. Because I see a lot of artists out there getting crazy numbers, and they still can't live off of what they're doing, um, which is insane to me. Because that this is a it, it's not easy to do this, and a lot of people have to subject themselves to a variety of unsavory things to to put music out. I, I know I do. Um, and it's unfortunate because I had to come into this thinking, like, I'm never going to be able to make a living off of it. I just want to put it out there. But I shouldn't have to do that, and neither should anyone else. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think that we just need to have those hard conversations with the people who have the ability to you know, make that change. Okay. Now, uh, one of the things that um, I notice is there is some new technology coming down the pike uh, that are going to revolutionize the music industry, one of which is this new blockchain streaming platforms like Audius and Emanate, which, number one, they're claiming to pay artists up to 90% of the incoming revenue back to the artist again. And it's decentralized. In other words, no one company can control it. It's controlled by the network and the nodes within that network. What do you think of that as being part of the new music industry or a music industry that's not controlled by corporations and record companies but more that fan artist relationship what do you think of that as a possibility um i i really like that especially because i think that artists like smaller artists to me are already doing that anyway we're just not getting the we're not getting the actual income for it um you know i i'm very very big into listening to indie music in general it's one of the one of the things that got me into making it. And I see a lot of these artists that, you know, they control their all of their accounts and they're, they're some crazy numbers. They don't have, you know, a record company. They're not going into a studio. They're doing exactly what I'm doing. I'm just sitting in my office at my house recording things. 
And I think that the only downside of, of new things like this is that your average consumer is not going to go to those places. Like they're always going to listen to Apple Music or um, Spotify. And so that's, I, I think, I think it's a good idea. I, but I do struggle to see how it's going to make it into the mainstream population and it's going to reach consumers. Like how do we get consumers to go and, and, and use this platform over another when this other platform is, has dominated the, the market? Well, you know, if you if you look back over the last twenty five years or so, um, you know, it it started with Napster with with the file sharing, and then it went to iTunes with you know the downloads, and everyone thought, oh, iTunes, Apple, who can ever unseat them? And then along comes Pandora, and then along came um, Spotify. So the industry is really um, dotted with. Uh, stories of huge behemoth, you know, companies that have become, you know, part of the psyche of the of the American consumer or the world consumer, and then dissipated and moved on to another platform. So I can see very easily how a company like Spotify, as much as they dominate now, being left behind if they don't. Um, adapt to the new way of doing business within the industry if these streaming platforms say hey we're going to pay up to 90 percent of the incoming revenue directly back to the artist or the labels or whatever the case may be those artists and labels and 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 even the independent artists are going to start migrating and they're going to take their fan base with them so you know, Spotify is at the mercy of its content. If its content starts to leave, then the, so is the the fan base, and so is their their uh, income base. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think I think that it would have to it would it would have to be a big number of artists that that go over in order to to make that difference. Um, you know, because uh, the other side of that is getting the consumer. To get over there as well, um, well, you know, a lot of a lot of the consumer will follow oh, the product, you know. For sure, for sure. Now, um, you know, the offshoot of this too is that when the pandemic hit, a lot of artists started going on social media. They started to do live streams. They started to create video content, and and even creating content that was not necessarily centered around the music but their lives their lives outside the music um i know an artist that does a, a cooking thing with you know her husband and they have their own line of wines and i know another uh, artist that you know loves to hike in the mountains so they they go up and do videos and, and pictures of, of their hikes and, and you know, maybe sings a song at the top of a mountain or something. Um, how are you dealing with this whole world of content creation and social media marketing where the brand now has become the product uh, with your project that you're working now? Um, it's not easy, for sure. Um my my goal is to just talk to as many people as I can 
and be on every prominent social media platform that I can. Um, it is hard since COVID hit uh, because it's, you know, everybody's doing something. Um, and because I started doing speakeasy stuff during COVID, um, not necessarily because of COVID, but because I, it was just a stage in my life um, that was obviously influenced by different COVID things, but I, uh, it's, it's difficult to, to work your way through the waters. And, you know, I, my, my biggest thing is just reaching out directly. Um, because you, you can share as many posts as you want, but if you're not talking to people or having conversations with people who are also like getting a variety of things from other people who just want to get it out there, um, you know, you're not going to get very far because so many people are doing it. And I actually do think in general, we're kind of at a decline because I think that people are getting outside more. Um, people are starting to accept, uh, you know, where, where COVID has, has, uh, gone. And I think that less people are making content, but, uh, you know, it, the pool is still very, very large compared to how it was before the pandemic. Okay. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You want to turn this up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. Get in the words of pain, but I don't mind. 
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey 